Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. And welcome to another installment of Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka. I'm Patrick Boyer. We have a completely new topic today. If you've listened to earlier programs, you already know about the concept of Greater Muskoka. By this term, I mean that Muskoka's geographic reach extends beyond the somewhat arbitrary boundaries established for the district by Ontario's legislature in 1868. And, in addition to being wider, Greater Muskoka is also deeper, running back thousands of years before 1868. Another element about Greater Muskoka, you've heard me discuss, is a state of mind. Now, many factors that contribute to this district's reputation uh, can be summed up all under the phrase, the Muskoka mystique. This quality of mystery and magnetism, a vital part of the greater Muskoka phenomenon, is why this relatively small part of Canada has such outsized renown. So. Where are we now heading? Well, again, you will also have heard me describe in many earlier programs how Muskoka is a bridge between two different sets of people and their cultures. In that, I refer to city folks from the south who are seasonal residents and the district's year-round residents. Neither group volunteered to link up, so much as geography forced it. Muskoka's location, as the southernmost of Ontario's districts on the Canadian Shield's ancient bedrock, conveniently offers urban people an escape to Northland waterways and dramatic landscape. In tandem, Muskoka also had indigenous people joined by homesteaders who settled the district. As Muskoka's vacation economy developed, the locals depended on those arriving from the city for income, while those coming from the south needed local people who knew the area and provided goods and services. Despite the friction between city slickers and hayseeds, they bonded due to their mutual dependence. So Muskoka, as you have heard me say before, became the location where hinterland values and metropolitan expectations 
confronted each other, then adjusted, and finally merged into a distinctive blend. This crossover of people with different outlooks, in effect, made Muskoka a bridge. This bridging of incompatible cultures was not a one-time event. It kept repeating as succeeding generations came north to the district and as new technologies, motor cars and telephones, airplanes and the internet, land use practices and water pollution, each kicked off new cycles of conflict. From the 1800s to the present day, such conflicts resolving into collaboration became the essence of Muskoka's social, economic, and cultural life. Now, all of that is background for today's new subject, the unique role of Métis people in Greater Muskoka. The term Métis is complex and contentious, with different historical and contemporary meanings. Métis are people of mixed First Nation and European ancestry, one of the three recognized Aboriginal people in Canada, alongside First Nations and Innu. After a long run as people marginalized by the Canadian government, including through residential schools, conditions have reached a new equilibrium. Métis are now recognized as distinct Aboriginal people. Métis rights are enshrined in the Constitution. The Supreme Court of Canada has sought to define Métis status more clearly in a series of decisions. And the Métis of Canada are, justifiably, proud of their distinctive heritage. Caitlin Lacroix, a young Métis woman from our greater Muskoka community in Georgian Bay, makes the key point in a single sentence. One of the things about our Métis culture that I value, she said, is that historically we have always been a bridge between two cultures. The history of Métis people in Muskoka runs back much further than 1868, when the district's borders were created by and for settler society. In land from Georgian Bay, the territory was a continuous section of the Canadian Shield with an extensive watershed. First Nations treated it as one land, and so did Métis people. From the 1600s, First Nation people along the Georgian Bay coast and inland began interacting with French fur traders, some of whom remained in their midst for extended periods. Children fathered by these European men and born to indigenous women had attributes of both parents in blended appearance by cultural uh, qualities 
and genetic enrichment. A distinctive breed of human, these individuals in turn perpetuated their lineage through successive generations. <clears throat> Métis people actually began to appear in the late 1500s in sections of North America where European men began presenting themselves. Long before Canada and the United States existed and borders became established, a lot of fighting took place and the Métis were caught in the middle, forced to move numerous times. For many years up to 1796, a Métis community lived at the north end of Lake Huron on Mackinac Island. That year, they relocated to St. Joseph Island. In 1812, they moved back to Mackinac. But three years later, in 1815, they relocated to Drummond Island. <clears throat> now, in these years, with the War of 1812-1814 unfolding, <clears throat> the Métis were fighting for the British to defend the province from American invaders cause for a lot of the unsettlement, which they were experiencing. After the war ended in 1814, Britain's peace treaty with the United States ceded Drummond Island, their home, to the Americans. I believe this almost certainly would not have happened if the Loyalists living on Drummond Island and fighting for the British side had been white settlers rather than mixed-breed Métis. Rather than scattering, the dispossessed Métis stayed together, remaining resilient with strength in numbers. <clears throat> By late 1828, in rough November weather, the Drummond Islanders made their way south together under treacherous conditions in a variety of watercraft to Penetanguishene. This was their new best prospect, because it had become Britain's main naval and military base on the Upper Great Lakes. These families in coming generations spread to other areas around Georgian Bay. After a short station break, we'll bring all this into sharper Muskoka focus. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka, with your host, Patrick Boyer. Welcome back. I'm Patrick Boyer. We are examining the place of Métis people and their connection with Muskoka. One of present-day Muskoka's most fascinating places is Beausoleil Island in the district's Georgian Bay Township. At the south end of the 30,000 Islands Archipelago, the large island is just offshore from Honey Harbor. For thousands of years, this island was a summertime gathering place for indigenous people, reaching it by canoe from as far away as James Bay and southern Michigan. 
it has been home to different First Nations and been known by various names. Ojibwe most recently called it Umgo Jonge, or Floating Island. In 1819, Louis Beausoleil Louis established a homestead at the island's southern tip and proudly gave it yet another name, his own, Ile Beausoleil. Louis Beausoleil was Métis. North from Beausoleil Island, the Moon River drains into Georgian Bay, one of several important rivers running from inland, along the banks of which Métis people had log cabin homes. The Moon, like the Severn and French rivers, was their waterway highway connecting Muskoka Métis with other communities along Georgian Bay's shore and islands north and south. In April 2005, descendants of Métis who were here long before homesteader settlement and others who have since come to Muskoka organized the Moon River Métis Council. It became the 32nd Council to sign a charter with the Métis Nation of Ontario relating to its work representing the community. The organization is based at Gravenhurst. Among other things, Moon River Métis Council members participate alongside other Indigenous nations connected with Muskoka in meetings with district municipal representatives at what is called the Muskoka Area Indigenous Leadership Table. Further south, a much larger Georgian Bay Métis Council was organized two decades ago, in 1993. Now based in Midland, this Métis Council has benefited from the direction and wisdom of many dedicated volunteers. That is not surprising because this North Simcoe area along the Georgian Bay coast has the largest concentration of self-identified Métis in Ontario. <clears throat> Self-identification is the key for someone to be known as Métis. When a person asserts Métis identity, he or she must establish the genealogical links back to ancestors born of a union between a First Nation woman and a European man or their descendants. Then their name as a Métis member is entered in the registry maintained by the Métis associations at the provincial level across Canada. In Canada, the Métis communities are widespread and, and diverse. The Métis flag is a white infinity symbol on a blue field. In some areas, the background is red instead of blue. The infinity symbol is like a figure eight on its side, the number eight on its side. Two circles joined, representing the two distinct parentage lines. The unbroken circles, like infinity, represent going on and on, united. 
It is no wonder that Métis claim, as Muskoka itself can claim, to be a bridge between two worlds. In Canada today, as already noted, reference to Indigenous includes First Nation, Innu, and Métis people. If you are puzzled by the fluidity in where these communities are found and who specifically makes up their membership, it probably helps to think of how the term Europeans covers a variety of linguistic groups, races, and mindsets. Many generations of Métis have lived in different locales while evolving like everyone else in response to changing conditions and new technologies. The Supreme Court of Canada has ruled on cases involving Métis matters. Such cases do not reach the highest court in the land unless important issues are in play. Twice the Supreme Court has offered definitions of being Métis, although this itself is no easy task. Essentially, being Métis is a cultural matter. Language is fundamental, of course, and it is primarily uh, First Nation language and, um, and French. Of course, uh, music and food and distinctive dancing are also really important components of Métis culture. The, the dancing so distinctive is, is the jigging to fiddle music that incorporates dance steps from four distinct First Nation and European cultures. Nothing else like it. <laughs> Great to do if you can, and certainly entertaining to observe, to watch, share. As also noted, being a member of this community begins with an individual self-identifying as Métis. In recent decades, more and more people in Canada have come out publicly as Métis, proud to claim this heritage and enjoy its culture. There is a unique Métis way of viewing the world that blends First Nation and European perspectives. You can have the best of both worlds if you qualify. The Georgian Bay and Environs historic Métis community is a lively and well-informed grouping of families and individuals who, in concerts and at community events, through websites and recorded interviews and documentaries, is a rich source for learning more about how Métis people have evolved. Métis communities are vibrant, the people resilient, and the rich Métis culture is finding many new outlets, touching, educating, and engaging a wide range of people, newly awakening to Indigenous realities in Canada. Muskoka Heritage Place in Huntsville offers visitors an informative permanent exhibit on Métis people in Muskoka. This summer, Muskoka Discovery Center at Gravenhurst will further increase public awareness by adding a new indigenous exhibit, Miskoaki, which presents centuries of human heritage in Greater Muskoka comprehensively as 
the confluence of cultures. As a bridge between First Nation and non-Indigenous cultures, the distinctive Métis role in Muskoka is getting the attention it deserves. In the context of respect, it rightfully merits. Thank you for listening to another episode of Warriors Modern History of Muskoka. Our producer here at Hunter's Bay Radio is Matt Fisher, himself a proud descendant of the Ojibwe people. I'm Patrick Boyer. Thank you.